Thank you so much for joining us for this week's message from Real Life Community, where we talk about connecting with God and others, growing in Christ-likeness, and sharing God's life with the world. My name is Sarah Comer, and I serve each week as Connections Pastor, making sure that you know that there is a God and a community that loves you and wants to go through the seasons of life with you. You can find us at reallifecommunity.org, and we would love to meet you on Facebook or Instagram. Until then, we hope this message meets you right where you are and helps you know just how deep the Father's love is for you. I love, uh, I love that song because of what it reminds us of about what God is in the habit of doing for people like you and I. Um, there's a line in that song about how he takes uh, the dust and creates us. Um, and this Wednesday is an opportunity for uh, us to gather together and do something that the church has done. And when I say the church, I'm not talking just about real life. I'm talking about the big C church, which spans time and space. Uh, it crosses denominational boundaries. Um, it, it, it's the big C church. Uh, this Wednesday begins a season in the life of the church that we call Lent. Lent is a time of preparation as we move towards uh, a pretty big Sunday in the life of the church that's called Easter. And so Ash Wednesday is kind of like the, the kickoff. It's the threshold that we step across into this season of, of preparation and waiting. And that season oftentimes is marked by fasting uh, in, in some way, shape, or form. Uh, and so I, I want to encourage you to come out this Wednesday night to Barfield Community Church. Uh, the details, we got those for you. But we're going to gather with some other churches, and we're going to enter into this season of Lent by observing Ash Wednesday. Um, and then for some of you, it, it'll be um, a weird type of service. For others, you're going to feel right at home. That's okay. We're all about just living real life together. And so as we do this, um, Ash Wednesday is a time where we are reminded that from ashes we have come and to ashes we will return, which puts us into a very good perspective of who we are and who we are not. Uh, and so you're going to have the opportunity at this Ash Wednesday service to have the ashes put on your forehead. And for some of you, that comes, that, that's very familiar to your, your faith tradition. And for others, that might be a little stretch, and that's okay. If you don't want to do that part of it, that's fine. But I encourage you to come out and, and join us together in, as we worship together with, with some other churches. And that will be a great, a great, great thing. I love Lent. I would also encourage you, maybe consider giving up something for Lent. Uh, I, I, we've challenged uh, the churches we've been a part of, the youth ministries we've been a part of, every year to, to, to try and give something up. Now, we don't give it up just to give it up, just to say that you did. But we give things up to make room and space for God in our lives. And so we, we sometimes we look at those things that have the greatest hold on us, for some of us, it's food. Uh, don't say amen. Um, for others, it's different things, television or, or, or whatever. And what the idea is that you would give up the time that you would spend on doing those things, and you would devote that to maybe prayer or scripture reading. Um, maybe you would grab a devotional during Lent. Um, and, and so I, I would encourage you to think about that. 
We one year had a young lady in our church and our, our youth group. She came to us on Ash Wednesday and she gave us a box that was all wrapped up with a bow. It was beautiful. And we said, well, what's this? She's like, it's my cell phone. I said, it's your cell phone? <laughs> Amen. It's your cell phone? She's like, yeah, give this to me on Easter. I'm like, deal. We can do that. And so it was hard for her. You see, fasting is not supposed to be easy. Uh, it's supposed to be those times where we are just reminded that sometimes we need to reevaluate our lives. We had another lady. Uh, um, it, it seems to be the, the gals kind of knocked it out of the park with going the extra mile. So guys, we need to turn the tide on this one, all right? Um, we had one young lady. She gave up her bed. She slept on the floor for 40 days. Um, and that was challenging. Probably the one that was most significant that was, I, I, I chuckled when she said what she was doing. She was going to give up talking. And some people said amen to that. No. <laughs> what, what she said is, I, I'm giving up talking unless I am directly asked a question. I'll respond to that. Um, so like at school, she would respond to teachers. To her parents, she would respond. Um, but it wasn't, it, she wasn't just going to talk. She wanted to be purposeful about that. So that was a challenging thing, and she did it well. But um, I would encourage you, think about something that you can give up that during those times where you're like, oh, I'm just so hungry, you might say, yes, but I'm more hungry for God than I am for food or for TV or for cell phones or for beds or for talking or for whatever the case may be. So I would encourage you to do that. Uh, that's Lent. Um, and on that note, uh, Easter is going to be a fun Sunday here at Real Life. And it's going to be so fun uh, that we have to make room for some, uh, some people. Because if you look around, um, we don't have tons of room for, for, for people. Now, that's not permission to not show up because you want to be gracious and give your space to someone else. No, no, no. That's not the point. Um, so what we're actually going to do is we're going to uh, stretch out our Sunday morning celebration, and we're going to add a second service. Now, a lot of you are familiar with second services, but you're not going to be familiar with this one. We're actually going to give a different time slot a try. Uh, and so we're going to have a, an Easter service on Saturday night. Now, one of the reasons that we're doing that is we're finding that there are more and more people who are unable to come to church on Sunday mornings. And so for us to double up on a Sunday morning uh, on Easter, we thought, you know what, let's just try something different. Why not? And so some of you might be like, great, I'm going to go on Saturday night so that I can have all of Easter because we're traveling with family or whatever the case may be. So um, we, we want you to be thinking about which service you're going to be a part of. We'll give you more details as we get closer. Saturday night and Sunday morning, same service, uh, just a few little differences, but it'll be great. So there we go. Um, on that note, this is like business, taking care of business Sunday. I just want to throw this out there. Um, another one of our issues here at Real Life is um, um, our parking lot. Sometimes it's a little uh, on the shy side. Um, we had a gentleman visit uh, a while back. I met with him, and he, I said, so how was it when you got here? And he says, well, there was one spot left, and I found it, which is awesome for motivated visitors. But for some who they're like, well, I didn't. They might come in, see there's no spot for them, and they leave. We don't want that to ever happen. So what we're going to be looking for, and we're going to hear, you're going to hear more about this, is we were looking for some people who will commit to um, love. That's what I heard this week, to love. Leave our vehicle elsewhere. 
all right? L-O-V-E. Um, and one of the gracious uh, places that has offered us space to park is our friends next door at Camino Real. Um, and so uh, we, we want to just focus on parking in the spots right along the property line here, okay? We don't want to inundate their parking lot because they still have customers. So um, we're, gonna, we're looking for 15 uh, vehicles um, to commit to park over there that you would just say, that's my parking spot. This isn't. Um, because we want to create this space for our handicapped uh, friends, um, our more seasoned friends, um, and for our, our visitors who show up you know, right as service starts. I know it's not just our visitors who show up right as service starts, but we're looking for some people who would say, pastors, you can count on me to be a Camino Parker, okay? Um, we've also got 11 spots behind the salon over here that they have said you can use. They would like us to try and not park in front and to the side because they still have clients on Sunday mornings. So if you, we could do that, that would be great. And if you really want to park somewhere else, you know, find another spot and it'll be great. We just want to make sure we got room for people. Deal? 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 All right. Love it. Uh, one other thing we'd like to do as we get started this morning is uh, in the life of the church, Sarah mentioned it, we have membership class coming up on Saturday. And this is a time for those of you who want to know more about real life and, and what we're a part of and how you can be a part of it. We want to give you that, that information. Um, we would love uh, this morning to welcome some new members in um, who are transferring from other Nazarene churches uh, in the Nashville area. Um, some of our friends who have, uh, maybe they've traveled every Sunday up to Nashville realizing they want to find somewhere closer to home, or maybe they've moved from Nashville down here and we want to welcome them here. So we are going to invite uh, uh, four people, and I want to mention to you just briefly what membership is all about. Um, for those of you who have ever been to a wedding, raise your hand. Good. Uh, you've heard words such as, for better, for worse, for richer, for poor, in sickness and in health, till death separates us, um, I commit my life to you. In a similar fashion, I, I'd like us to begin thinking about our commitment to the church. Uh, now, our first com commitment, first and foremost, is not to a local church, it's to the church, right? Um, and uh, there are lots of great churches out there, great denominations um, that are just killing it when it comes to, to worshiping God and connecting with people and, and ushering in the kingdom of God. Um, but one of the ways that we can take that the next step is to recognize that there are local places that we commit to live out our faith. And we do so for better, for worse, for richer, for poor, in sickness and in health, uh, till death separates us. Now, um, that last line is probably the deal breaker for some people who would say, well, I don't know that I'm ready to be here for the rest of my life. I mean, what if I move? You know, do I have to stay here? No. Within reason, I think we can all understand what this commitment is that we're talking about. But church is a great place. It is actually the place that God intends for us to live out our faith. And being accountable to a congregation is important. Where you are known, this is all about what we're going to be talking about in just a second. You know others and they know you. When you don't show up on a Sunday, they're like, hey, man, we missed you. 
Uh, they're the people who visit you in the hospital. They visit you when you're at home sick. They're the ones who invite you out for lunch and dinner and breakfast and all that kind of stuff. Church is that place where you can commit. Now, the problem is sometimes people are, find that they don't like that accountability. I just want to show up, and I just want to do my own thing. Don't you dare get in my face about anything. And, and, I, and I, I guess I understand that. I think there's always times in our lives where we're like, I just don't know that I want everyone up in my business. But can I say that as a church, we have the potential to be an outpost of the kingdom of God in our world. And it takes people who are on board to say, I'm going to help make that happen. I'm going to do my part in making that happen. I'm, I'm going to commit uh, my, my finances to making sure that the mission of God happens through this church. I'm going to commit some of my time so that uh, the kids are, are ministered to or the babies or, or wh- whoever it may be. Um, I, I, it's about saying, pastors, you can count on us when you need something, we want to be there for it. So that's what membership really is about. Some people say, well, membership's not in the Bible. Well, there's actually a whole lot of things that we practice in the church and in our lives that aren't in the, that's not in the Bible. Um, sometimes I think people are looking for an excuse not to join the church. So they're going to make, they're going to kind of pick something and, and harp on it. Um, but I just want to say, we at Real Life, love that you are here. And we are glad and thankful that you're living out your faith here. Um, We are not perfect people. There is a lot of junk in this room, and that's how it should be. We are not a nicely polished um, sanitary space. We are a hospital, and hospitals get messy. And we've got four people this morning who say, I am choosing today to, to say I'm in. And so I would like the Cranfords to join me up front, and I would like the McLeans to join me up front for just a brief moment uh, as we, before we go any further. Uh, some of you probably have seen these people around. Um, maybe you don't know who they are. Uh, well, I want to mention uh, this is Warren, uh, Warren and Megan Cranford. <laughs> That's not them. Warren and Megan Cranford, um, they have just a sweet, sweet story about what God's been up to in their life. Um, I hope to share that sometime, and, but if not, just ask them. They love telling it. Um, and they're, they're coming down from a uh, church up in Nashville, um, and they're just saying, we, we, we're in, we want to be here. We are so excited that that is the case. Um, and then over here, we have the McLeans. Um, we have Tanya, and we have Greg, and they too are coming down to us from uh, one of our sister churches up in Nashville, and they're saying, we want to be here. This is our church, and we want to just live out our faith here, so I'm excited. Now, for, uh, for just a little behind-the-scenes work here, these people have already joined a Nazarene church in the past. And what we're doing today is simply transferring their membership. Um, it's the letting the church up there know, hey, we've moved, we've, we've dug in somewhere else. Um, and so this is a transfer and not a new membership. 
And so uh, those of you who have never joined the church, we'd love to have that conversation with you. But uh, these are two amazing couples. I'm loving getting to know them, and I know you will too. But let's pray for these amazing couples. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would be with us here at Real Life as we flesh out what the next steps ahead are. God, I, I pray that you would be with those here who are in transition. God, I pray that you would uh, help us uh, find our rhythms and find our places of ministry. Uh, God, for both the McLeans and the Cranfords, God, I just pray that we would surround them with great love, uh, that we would uh, invest our lives in them, and that we would be more complete because they are here with us. Lord Jesus, I'm thankful for what you are up to at Real Life, and I'm glad that there are people like uh, the McLeans and the Cranfords who say, um, we are in. And so, God, we pray that your spirit would stir the pot and help us find our places of ministry, and you would help us be that church in this community who truly is an outpost of your kingdom so that people, as they rub up against us, might catch a glimpse of what you're all about. And so, Lord, help us do that. In your name, amen. Let's welcome the Cranfords and the McLeans. I love church. Um, I have not always loved church. I remember days when I was a child and I was um, bored to, I was bored. <laughs> Thankfully, I knew the pastor, he was my dad, and I would steal paper from his office and I would doodle. I found a way to be in church. Actually, my parents didn't give me a choice. I had to be in church. Um, and I, I'm thankful for the priority that they, they made that in my life. Um, but what I would like you to do today is grab a Bible, if you brought your Bible. Um, if not, uh, the words to the scripture we're about to read will be on the screens up here. Um, I would encourage you uh, to find a rhythm of scripture in your life whether it's through a Bible, uh, you know, like this one, or whether it's through, um, who right now has a phone or an iPad pulled out ready to look up scripture? Yeah, see, there's plenty of people. I remember years ago when a lady was on her Bible, she was reading along with it, and I got a letter from someone in the church chastising that woman. How dare she be on her phone? Folks, I'm okay with you being on your phone. Um, I hope that you're in the word on your phone, at least while we're preaching. But um, bring your phones, use them. I don't care how you do it. Just please, please do it. Um, we are starting a, or we are finishing up a series today uh, called Connecting the Dots, where we have talked about uh, relationship issues. Um, and my uh, amazing wife uh, has kind of pushed us to the edge on some of these topics. And she said to me after the first Sunday, man, I haven't sweat that hard while I was preaching. And I'm like, well, you did a good job. Um, I, I'm guessing that a lot of you have really been called to think about your relationships, not just marriage relationships, not just dating relationships, but all kinds of relationships. And today we're going to wrap that up, and I get to talk about uh, intimacy. And I just want to make clear this morning that when, when I say the word intimacy, I'm talking about something that all of us need, um, to be very clear, we're not talking about sex. 
We're talking about intimacy. Now, in our world today, especially in our, our, our country, um, those two words are often used interchangeably, and that's wrong because they're two very different things. While they are connected, um, you can be intimate without having sex, and you can have sex without being intimate. And so this morning, we're talking about intimacy, that basic thing that you and I were created to need, uh, to have, to function with. And so as we do that, we're going to talk about this. So the good thing about this, this morning, is that this message is for everyone. Um, it's not just for married couples. It's not just for dating couples. It's not for um, couples of any kind. It's, it's for all people. So for those of you who are not dating or not married, please listen in today because this is for you as much as it is for everyone else. One of the challenges in the church is that sometimes we can give the impression, and sometimes we actually just outright say it, uh, unfortunately, that um, you are incomplete if you are not in relationship. That is wrong. Um, because when we say that, um, we ostracize an entire group of people in the church, and it is those who are single for one reason or another. For our uh, single friends, um, one of the things that we as a church need to recognize is, is that um, we, we are called to be the family to all people, including those who are single. And so um, I, I've had conversations with some of my single friends, uh, and they have really wrestled with how sometimes we in the church send the wrong message, and they feel as though something's wrong with them. And that's because sometimes I think we think something's wrong with them, when that's the furthest thing from the truth. Um, and so today is about intimacy. Whether you're a child, a teenager, a college student, a young adult, uh, a middle-aged adult, a senior adult, whether you're single, whether you're married, whether you're dating, whether you're divorced, whether you are uh, widowed or widow, you're a widow or widower, um, whatever the case may be, today is for you. So I'm hoping that you can all listen in with me today. Because um, the reality is this, church. Everyone is searching for intimacy. And the truth is, every one of you will find it. The question is, where will you find it? Um, I'm not going to get into a topic that I am really kind of wrestling with right now um, as it relates to our culture and the church. Um, people are dying for intimacy. They're dying to be known and to know. Um, they are looking for someone to accept them for who they are. The church should be that, but oftentimes we are not that. Now, um, there's a lot that we should unpack here, but we're not going to this morning. But can I just say this? Church, we need to be the place where people can find someone or a group of someones who know them for who they are and love them no matter what. That at the core is what it means 
to be an intimate community, especially one that calls itself real life. And so I, I, I'm hoping that we can journey on this one together because I hope that uh, we really would be that place that people find, find the intimacy. Uh, there was a, uh, about the turn, beginning of the 20th century, uh, in the US, uh, the U.S. and the U.K., uh, there was a phenomenon that was observed, and it was the death rate among infants uh, who, had, uh, who had no family. They were in orphanages. Or they, and here's a term that I, I've, I read that foundling hospitals. I'm guessing that's hospitals that specialize in caring for, for babies who had no families. Um, and what they found was that the, uh, the death rate among these infants was, was almost, at times one out of every three children was dying in these situations. And as they did the research, what they found was um, one of the primary markers of a child's ability to thrive in life was the intimate connections that they had with other people. Um, Babies need, um, one, of the, one of the primary bonding moments for babies is bonding with a mother. Um, that's why uh, a lot of women are really, really passionate about breastfeeding because it is one of the most intimate things that they can do to provide for their child and the child to connect with the mother. And that's why I've, I've heard uh, women just lament how sometimes that doesn't work. They can't breastfeed, or the child won't, won't take. Um, and and that's a, there's a grief there because that's a bond that, that, that is needed. So these, these infants were, were dying because they didn't have that connection, that touch, that person who was constantly investing in them. And they, 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 they found them dying at astronomical rates. If they didn't die, they did find that they were developmentally um, uh, hindered uh, both physically, mentally, and socially. There's something profound about the intimacy that you and I are wired with that we know we need even as, as babies before we know much anything else. And so as, as these studies have gone to provide information and structure for how as a society we need to help people bond with others. Now, let me just say something briefly real quick, because I may, there may be a group of people in here who are tuning out, and that's the men in the room. Um, you know, men, we don't necessarily like language of intimacy um, and bonding, and, uh, you know, that, that's, that sounds a whole lot like woman talk. Um, but I am finding that one of the greatest issues that we men are having is that whether you like it or not, you need intimacy as well. But oftentimes you have never had a good example of what it means to be an intimate man. And in our world today, there's almost a fear about any kind of language about men being intimate with each other. But men, if we were to be honest with each other this morning, we would be able to identify the hurts in our lives, 
the pains in our lives that are driving us to all the wrong things. And you might have a woman in your life who is dying for you to find a place of wholeness where the kind of intimacy you need is found in healthy ways. And so this morning, this, this isn't just a talk for you know, singles and married people. Guys, I, we, we've got to zone in here because not only do our wives and our families and our communities and our churches need us to get this one right, we need to get it right. And I, um, I, I, guys, you're going to find intimacy. Uh, it may not be the real, real deal. It might be a cheap imitation. But um, God created you to be intimate. And so I'm hoping and praying that you can find that. And that if nothing else, you would recognize that you have a pastor in me who is willing to hear you if you're needing to share what you're dealing with. And you might say, well, yeah, he's going to get shocked if he hears what I've been dealing with. Um, I've heard it all, and nothing surprises me anymore. You might say, well, I can't admit those kind of things. See, that's a barrier to intimacy. We need to be men of integrity. So we got we to gotta get into this. Let, the main point this morning, if you get nothing out of this morning, is this. What everyone needs is intimacy. To know and be known. John chapter 8, verses 1 through 11. Listen quickly. Jesus returned to the Mount of Olives, but early the next morning he was back again at the temple. A crowd soon gathered, and he sat down and taught them. As he was speaking, the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. They put her in front of the crowd. I always chuckle because um, if, she, if they found a woman caught in adultery... That usually means there's a man involved. But for some reason, he wasn't there. Maybe he was one of the religious leaders. I don't know. Teacher, they said to Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her. What do you say? See, they're trying to trap him. They were trying to trap him into saying something they could use against him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger, they kept demanding an answer, so he stood up again and said, All right, but let the one of you who has never sinned throw the first stone. And he stooped down again and wrote in the dust. Now, people all over want to know, what did he write? We ultimately don't know. But whatever it was changed the climate that day. When the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. Then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, neither do I. Go and sin no more. Jesus had this propensity for seeing the best in people, even those caught in adultery. And what's interesting to me about this passage of Scripture is that oftentimes I am reminded that we as the church, we as Christians, we oftentimes expect the worst out of people. 
What if, just what if, we took chances on people assuming that it's not as bad as we think it is? That, that might actually change the atmosphere. You see, John tells two stories in the course of about four chapters uh, that are one of, some of the most scandalous passages of Scripture uh, in John's gospel, and they both involve women, Jesus and women. The first one in chapter four, Jesus meets a woman at a well, um, well after <laughs> um, people had already come, drawn water, and gone home. This woman was left alone, which seemed to me would suggest that she was an outcast. No one wanted her. Whatever she was doing, because the passage of Scripture actually talks about how she had had many husbands, and the one she was now with was not her husband. This woman was begging for, for something, and she was not finding it. But that day, she met Jesus, and Jesus met something in her that changed her life. Now, you fast forward four chapters, and we get here to chapter 8, and we have Jesus face-to-face with a woman caught in adultery. If, if we were to jump into this story, we would find that, that there was all sorts of scandal here. Jesus, um, the son of God, the, the, the teacher that was changing people's lives, that the religious leaders wanted to put to death, um, he was willing to stoop down to the, to the position not only of a woman. In those days, you know, women had this lower place. I don't know why, but it, it was what it is. Um, Jesus was willing not only to stoop down to her level, but also to stoop down to the level of an adulterer, which is really good news for all of us in here. Adultery may not be your thing. I don't know what your thing is or what, what, what it was, but Jesus is the kind of God who's willing to stoop down to the levels of those whose society puts to the margin and to the level of those who are living into the brokenness of their life. Jesus speaks to her, and it changes everything. Intimacy is, is, is to be known, loved, touched, understood, and cared for. And in, in almost every use of that word in Scripture, there is this image of groups of people surrounding someone. It's about having people in their corner. It's about having support systems in their corner. It's about having groups of people around them to support them. That's the image of intimacy. There is no, there's, the best image of intimacy is not one-on-one. It's about having a group of people. And that's where the church comes in because we can be that. In Proverbs chapter three, we find God, God talking about being intimate with the godly. Well, what about the ungodly? Well, what's interesting about intimacy is it does require a certain level of communion, uh, uh, the ability to uh, be on the same page. And there are some people who just don't want anything to do with God. It's hard for God to be intimate with someone who doesn't want to be intimate with him. Maybe you've been in a marriage like that. You want to be on the same page with your spouse, but it just is not working. How about a coworker, a boss? You want to be on the same page, but it's not working. It's hard to be intimate with someone you're not on the same page with, which is why in Scripture it also says, do not be unequally yoked. Don't be tied to someone who you aren't on the same page with. And I've heard so many people, well, I'll fix them. <laughs> oh my gosh, that usually doesn't ever turn out right. Um, 
at the beginning of the, 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 the God narrative that we have here, we find Adam and Eve in a garden. And at the end of chapter two, we find these words, Adam and Eve were naked and they were unashamed. Um, naked and unashamed. They were completely open. Nothing was getting hid from the other one. That is a great image of intimacy. Now, I don't recommend you go out and get naked with other people. Don't do that. That's a whole different kind of awkward. But in just a few verses, eight to be exact, they go from being naked and unashamed to being clothed and riddled with shame. How quickly we can digress. And from that point on, all of humanity is trying to get back to the garden where we can be intimate with one another without anything in between. I'm gonna jump um, ahead just briefly um, because in, in chapter three, God shows up in the garden as was custom for, for God and he was walking in the garden, which is a very personal language. And he is asking Adam and Eve, where are you? Do you think God had no idea where they were? God knew exactly where they were. But you see, God wanted them to know where they were. They heard God ask that question, and at least in their minds and hearts, they had to answer the question this way, we're hiding from you. One of the foundational issues with intimacy is we have to be honest with ourselves and with other people. They were hiding. But what are these other questions that intimacy requires that we answer? Who are you? Why are you? And throughout the rest of the, the scripture, we find this narrative of people trying to get back to the garden, trying to get back to intimacy. Sometimes they're doing well, and other times they're just not getting it done at all. But if you, if you fast forward all the way to the last chapter in the story, we find these words in Revelation chapter 22. We find the invitation that comes in verse 17. The spirit and the bride say, come. Let anyone who hears this say, come. Let anyone who is thirsty Come, let anyone who drinks, who desires drink freely from the water of life. God is inviting you back. Are you content with your lack of intimacy with others? Are you challenged in all that you have because you don't know how to live intimate with other people? Have you bought into the storylines that you see in the tabloids that every kind of love has to end up in the bed. When in reality, you can do that and not find what you're looking for. Um, I'm reworking this message on the fly because I want to get to a point and I want to leave you with a, an image. Um, I love duct tape. Um, it is so versatile and so handy. Um, I remember uh, all the guys out there like, yeah, that's my fix-it. 
Um, I remember when we were in Texas as youth pastors, we did a fun thing where we, uh, we got a chair and we put it up against the wall. Um, and we had a kid stand on the wall and we had the kids stand out like this and we duct taped them to the wall. We pulled the chair out and they stuck there, right? Duct tape is amazing. But you know, duct tape loses its ability to stick the more times it is ripped off of something. The more it clings to and is ripped off of, the harder it is to stick. This, I think, is a great image for us of what our society is doing to intimacy. I think this one, both of these women in this passage of Scripture are, are living out the reality that they have tried to find intimacy in all the wrong places, and they have lost the ability to get it to stick. Church, God wants you to find the place and the people where you can be open and honest. It's interesting. Um, Christy and I are trying to meet with everyone, and it's a, it's a long process. Um, we've gotten to some of you, to others we haven't gotten to you yet, and we're sorry. Um, but it is always interesting because I think I feel as in, in those first moments with a new, uh, with a new uh, a person, a new couple, a new family, whatever, there's that sense of feeling each other out. Like people saying, can I, can I trust Jeremy and Christy? Can I be honest with them? And we appreciate the honesty that you guys have shared with us. Thank you for letting us in. Um, we look forward to many more days of that. But one of the most powerful things, and this is what I'm going to leave you on. We're going to, go, we're going to pray after this, and we're going to, we're going to get out. Um, in South Africa, there's a group of people who has a greeting that I have heard about. Maybe you've heard about it. That I, I want us to practice just briefly. Um, when someone approaches another, the, the word, and I want to make say this, sure I say this right, sawubona, sawubona. Say that with me, sawubona. All right, turn to the person next to you and say sawubona. All right, you're multilingual now. Thank you, you're welcome. Literally translated, sawubona means I see you. All right, so turn to the people next to you and say these words, I see you. Kind of weird, right? <laughs> so when someone receives the greeting, Saubona, there's a response, and that response is Sakona. Sakona. Say it with me, Sakona. All right, say that to the person next to you, Sakona. All right, so do it together. Saubona and Sakona. Say that together. That response literally is, I am here. Now, let me, let, me, let me take this to where I'm wanting to, to go. In that culture, the person doesn't exist until they're seen by another. And in that, in that interchange of, of uh, communication, what's literally happening is someone is saying, I now exist because I am seen by another. I think too many times we are terrified of being seen by the other. And so we hide out. We hide out and we don't know what to do. 
But today in this place, we need to be that church that says to each other, I see you. Which means we actually have to take time and see each other, right? Last image. Uh, we did affection connection a few weeks ago on Valentine's Day. One of the stations that we had set up here was uh, probably one of the most difficult stations in the room. It was right over here, and there was a table, and there was two chairs facing each other, and a couple would sit down, and they would look at each other, and the challenge was this. Look at each other's in the eyes for three minutes. That is an eternity. <laughs> but every once in a while, I'd catch a glimpse of a couple doing that, and I could see that it was an emotional type of a thing. Oftentimes, we don't take time to see each other, to look each other in the eyes, to be vulnerable to the point where you, be, you would be willing to let someone look into your life. Intimacy requires it. You were created to be, um, and hang out with me, naked and unashamed completely transparent. But you know, something happens when sin gets in our life and causes us to have things that we don't want others to see. Church, may we be a, a real life kind of people who are willing to be transparent with others. Yeah. Let's be that people who are willing to walk the road with others no matter how hard that might be. Let us be that church where we come in on a Sunday morning and we're not just so busy that we don't actually take the chance to look each other in the eye and say, I see you and I'm here. Stand with me, church. If you weren't here for Affection Connection, I encourage you to go home. And try the, uh, the staring contest with anyone. Um, and can I just say this also? <laughs> if you're in a conversation with someone, look at them in the eye. How many of you, when you're in a conversation with someone, actually you're, you're focused on their mouth? It's a nervous thing, really, because we don't want to look at them in the eye. But see what happens in your life, in your relationships, uh, when you look the person in the eye, it might change your life. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning and we pray that you would help us get back to the garden. Lord, that you would help us be that people who um, understand what it means to be naked and unashamed. To be transparent with a, a spouse or someone we're dating, a coworker, a neighbor, a family member, a mother, a father, a, a sibling. God, may we here at this church be a people who see others. And God, I think what that requires is that you kick us out of ourselves and help us make room in our lives to see the other. Like that woman who was thrown at your feet, God, I pray that we would find what we are looking for at your feet. Because no amount of relationship, uh, gymnastics, 
No, no amount of trying harder is going to get it done. Lord, we just need to find what we're looking for at your feet. Lord, we pray these things in your name. Amen. Church, as you get out of here, notice each other, find each other, be blessed by it, and be a blessing. <laughs>